So you uh, are invited to get your Bibles out, and if you don't have a Bible, there are some in the back there. Vamos a abrir las Biblias, and I'd like to invite you to find the book of the prophet Joel, Joel chapter 1. Uh, espero que puedan encontrar en sus Biblias Joel capítulo 1. Uh, it's towards the end of the Old Testament, towards the end of the first half of the Bible, hacia el fin del Antiguo Testamento. And as you're finding that, I also want to make you aware that we have a little card Maybe some of you received it coming in. Maybe others of you did not. So I want to make sure that you, uh, if you don't have one, they are in the back. And maybe if there's someone in the back that can help to get that to you, raise your hand if you'd like one, if you need one. I'll be referring to this later on in the message. Voy a referirme a esta tarjeta más tarde en el mensaje. Pueden levantar la mano si necesitan una. So uh, just those two things I want you to be aware of. So lately, I, I've been thinking a lot about all of the roads that I have been on just this year. You ever get those weird thoughts? I've had that. I just was thinking about all the different roads I've been on. Estado pensando los caminos que he viajado aún este año. Last month, not too long ago, I was traveling along some very familiar roads through the rolling countryside of Iowa. And, and those roads are so refreshing to me. I was on my way to my boyhood town in Iowa. Estuve en unos caminos familiares en, en mi pueblo, hacia mi pueblo de Iowa. And those roads just, they comfort me. Uh, to be on those roads and just to see the landscape, it, it just touched me deep inside. And, and it flooded me with all kinds of memories, just deep emotions from, from my roots. Uh, me llenó de muchos recuerdos de, de mi pasado. Lots of wonderful memories. Now, back in February, it was very different. In February, I found myself on some very unfamiliar roads. I was in a very strange place, a place I'd never been before. I was in the countryside of El Salvador. In February, estuve en unos caminos no muy familiares en El Salvador. Never been to that country before, but there I was in the countryside of, of El Salvador. Again, open fields, but volcanoes in the, in the background. And, and these roads were unknown roads to me. They took me to an unknown place. And yet it was also good in a way, because even though I didn't know where we were going, and that was a little challenging, it also was an adventure. It was an exciting thing, a kind of a step of faith. Esos caminos me llevaron a una aventura en lo desconocido so wherever we go in life it's comforting to know something it's comforting to know all roads lead to home donde quiera que vayamos en la vida todos los caminos nos llevan a casa that's a comforting thought isn't it but wherever we go in life it's also challenging to know all roads can take us into the unknown. All roads can take us to, to a place of adventure. Donde quiera que vayamos, es un desafío saber que todos los caminos nos pueden llevar a una aventura. Both of those things are true. And when we talk about the Bible, what we have here in a way is a kind of spiritual roadmap. La Biblia es como un mapa espiritual. And if you travel through the Bible, uh, pretty soon you're going to recognize some very familiar roads. There are familiar roads in the Bible. Hay caminos familiares en la Biblia. Like that, that road that takes us to John 3, 16. 
God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Como el camino que nos lleva Juan 3. Que dice Dios amó al mundo y dio a su hijo unigénito. That's a great road to travel. That's a very comforting road, right? It's a road we like to go down a lot. Nos gusta viajar por ese camino familiar. But if the truth be told, there are other roads in Scripture that are not as well known for us. Hay otros caminos no muy familiares en la Biblia. And these roads kind of take us off the beaten path. They take us, uh, you know, into the places less traveled, into remote places, into unfamiliar places. Nos llevan a lugares no muy conocidos en la Biblia. And we don't like to go down those roads. We don't like to go into those little places of the Bible. No nos gusta ir a esos lugares en la Biblia. Why? Because we're all creatures of habit, right? We like being comfortable. And if we're going to go to a place that's unknown in the Bible, that's just too challenging. That's just too hard to go there. So we try to avoid that. Nos gusta evitar esos lugares porque nos gusta estar adictos al hábito y es algo incómodo. But, Here's the thing. If we are willing to get off the beaten path, if we are willing to go down those unfamiliar roads into those unfamiliar places of God's word, I believe we can find something good. Si estamos dispuestos a viajar esos caminos, hay algo bueno. I believe that if we're willing to get into those places in the back country of the Bible, we can encounter God in maybe a fresh and exciting way. Podemos encontrarnos con Dios de una manera que es algo bueno, algo positivo. In fact, I believe that if we're willing to get off road and get into these little corners of the Bible, uh, we can actually grow in the adventure of our journey with God. Podemos crecer en la aventura de conocer a Dios. And it's into that kind of adventure that I want to invite you all into over the next few weeks. Quiero invitarles a esto. As we're going into this place of the Bible known as the prophet Joel. You may have never been here before. Vamos a mirar al profeta Joel. Over the next five Sundays or so, we're going to explore this remote part of God's word to understand it better and to understand what it has to say to us. Vamos a explorar esta parte de la palabra de Dios. Now, the book of Joel, as I said earlier, is found kind of towards the end of the Old Testament, end of the first part of the Bible. Está al fin del Antiguo Testamento. It's in a section of 12 books that we don't often look at. And that section of 12 books is called the Minor Prophets. Está en una sección del libro de los profetas menores. Now, we call them the Minor Prophets for reason. They're not the Minor Prophets because they're not Important. I want to stress that. No son los profetas menores porque no son importantes. They're called the minor prophets because they are books that are shorter and smaller in size in comparison with what are called the major prophets. The big prophetic books, the longer books of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and even Daniel. Son profetas menores porque son más chicos que los profetas mayores que son Ezequiel, Isaías, Jeremías. And so they're smaller books in size. You can read through them, many of them, in just a few minutes. Some of them only have one chapter. Son libros muy cortitos. And yet I believe they're not minor in their importance for us. In fact, the minor prophets 
really are giving us a window into a time, a specific time frame in the history of God's people when it seemed like everything was going downhill, when it seemed like everything was on the decline, where everything was a challenge. Nos da una ventanilla a un tiempo cuando todo iba para abajo. Now, I think that's important because it would seem we're living in a day that's kind of similar to that. I just talked about just one aspect of it right now, which is the economy. It seems the economy is going downhill. There are other aspects in our society, in our world, where it just seems like we're losing our grip. Things are going, uh, you know, towards the bottom. In nuestro mundo la cosa parece ir para abajo. And so maybe we need to pay attention to this time and how it might relate to our time. So... I'd like to set the context for us, the historical context, so we understand what time this is about. Voy a ponerles el contexto histórico. So the minor prophet books, uh, let's see if we can get a, a beat on it. It starts with just understanding the general history of the people of Israel. So here's a crash course. Tenemos que entender la historia del pueblo Israel. The people of Israel were in Egypt. And God delivered them after 400 years of being slaves in Egypt. And God brought them to this place, this wonderful, beautiful place called the Promised Land, the land of Canaan. Después de ser esclavos en Egipto, Dios trajo a los israelitas a la tierra prometida. And in the Promised Land, the people of Israel began to, to flourish. They began to prosper. It was a beautiful land. And the nation began to grow. Empezaron a florecer y prosperar. And Israel, as a people, Israel reached its pinnacle with two very important kings. Llegaron a su cumbre con dos reyes. King David, who was a man after God's heart, an incredible king, el rey David, un hombre de Dios. And then his son, Solomon, who was endowed with great wisdom from God. Después Salomón, su hijo, que tenía mucha sabiduría. Solomon brought Israel to its zenith, and Israel was this great power. Its territory extended. He built this magnificent palace and this magnificent temple in Jerusalem. Él construyó un palacio grande y el templo de Jerusalén. Everything was on the up and up and up. But then after Solomon's reign, things began to go downhill. Después de Salomón, las cosas iban para abajo. And it really showed up in the year 931 B.C., uh, before Christ, el año 931 antes de Cristo. That's when the nation actually broke apart. It ripped apart into two pieces. Uh, el país se quebró en dos. There was the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. Había el reino del norte de Israel y el reino del sur Judá. And so the people were in two different nations now, and they never got back together again. Now, in the north, in Israel, those people were ruled by a succession of bad kings. Sinful, idolatrous, wicked, selfish kings. Israel tenía una, una línea de, de reyes muy malvados. I mean, there wasn't a good apple in the bunch. They were all bad. And so just after about 200 years or so, God had had enough. In the year 722 B.C., the Assyrian Empire was sent in by God, and they invaded the north, they leveled everything, and they took the people away, and that was it. Israel was done. In el año 722, antes de Cristo, los asirios invadieron como castigo de Dios por su pecado. Now, 
in the southern kingdom of Judah, things were a bit different. Las cosas eran diferentes en el sur. They were ruled by what you might call a mix. There were a mix of good kings and bad kings. There were godly kings and there were godless kings. Había reyes piadosos y reyes impíos. Israel was quick in its decline. Judah was slower in its decline. But the decline was just as sure. Estaba más lenta su decadencia, pero aún así segura. And finally, in the year 586 B.C., God had had enough of them too. God was done with the, the rebellion. El año 586 a.C. terminó la rebelión. God sent in the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonians invaded the land of Judah. They broke down the walls of Jerusalem. They came in. They burned the temple of God, and they carted the people off into exile, back into slavery, where they started uh, as they were in the land of Egypt. Los Babilonios invadieron y derribaron el templo y llevaron al pueblo al exilio. And it was that way for a long time. And gradually, over a period of about 50, 60 years, God slowly began to bring the people back. But the promises that this would last 70 years, this was going to be a 70-year punishment. Iba a ser un castigo de 70 años. And sure enough, in the year 515 B.C., finally, finally, the people were able to have the temple of God rebuilt. That was like, okay, finally, we're back. Reconstruyeron el templo en el año 515 antes de Cristo. So they got back sort of to the starting line, but here's the thing. The people were struggling. The people still hadn't put it all together. They were struggling with all kinds of sin and faithfulness. Estaban luchando with faithlessness, rather. Estaban luchando con infidelidad y pecado. They were struggling with enemies. They still had enemies that were harassing them. Tenían enemigos amenazadores. And they were struggling most of all in their relationship with God. Estaban luchando su relación con Dios. And so that's the context. And that's where we come to this book called the book of Joel. Bible scholars believe it was written somewhere between the year 400 and 500 B.C. in that time frame. ¿Creen que Joel fue escrito entre 400 500 años antes de Cristo? And so somewhere in that time frame, this is what we find. And I want to read Joel chapter 1, verse 1. Joel 1.1 The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Esta es la palabra del Señor que vino a Joel, hijo de Petuel. I'm going to stop right there. Because this beginning is significant. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, la palabra del Señor que vino a Joel. This is significant for a couple of different reasons that I want to highlight. Quiero subrayar un par de cosas. First of all, this is significant because these words, if you look at the other minor prophets, these words are very similar to the words that begin many, actually most, of the other prophetic books. Son parecidas a las palabras que comienzan los otros libros. For example, let's take a quick tour. The book before Joel, that's the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. 
And what does Hosea 1.1 say? It says, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri. La palabra del Señor que vino a Hoseas, hijo de Beeri. Sounds very similar. Let's jump a couple books ahead to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And what does it say? The word of the Lord that came to Jonah, son of Amittai. La palabra del Señor vino a Jonás, hijo de Amitai. You might have thought we were going to preach about Jonah today with the water and everything, but that's, that's for another day, so we won't go there. But let's jump ahead. Let's go to the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah, if I can find it here, chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi. Esa es la palabra del Señor que vino a Sophonias, hijo de Cusi. Haggai, Haggai, chapter 1, verse 1, a couple of books forward. It says, in the middle of that verse, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Vino palabra del Señor por medio del profeta Ageo. And finally, the very last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. Malachi, chapter 1, verse 1, Malachias 1.1, it says, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Es la palabra del Señor dirigida a Israel por medio de Malachias. Can you see the pattern? Pretty, pretty plain, right? The word of the Lord came to someone. La palabra del Señor vino a alguien. So when we talk about a prophetic book, what we're talking about is a message, a word that is delivered to a messenger, a prophet, for the people. Es un mensaje de un mensajero, un profeta para el pueblo. And that word, that message that is delivered is the word of the Lord. It's the word of God. Es la palabra del Señor, la palabra de Dios. And that's important for a second reason. The second reason that that's important is that when we look at the word of God or the word of the Lord, we need to understand the word of the Lord is not just words. La palabra del Señor no son solo palabras. The Bible says much later on in Hebrews 4 that the word of God is living and active. La palabra de Dios es viva y eficaz y poderosa. In fact, it goes on to say it's, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Es como una espada de dos filos. In other words, the word of the Lord, the word of God has the power to make things happen. It has the power to create and to cut and to shape and to sculpt and to transform. La palabra de Dios crea y escolta y corta y transforma. The word of the Lord has a life of its own and, and it, it comes to us in power and it forces us to deal with it. La palabra, Señor, nos, nos confronta. And it says here that this word of the Lord came to Joel. Esto vino a Joel. That word came is also significant. It's a Hebrew word and it means to appear. It means to become. It means to happen. Vino quiere decir en hebreo aparecer, acontecer. So when the word of the Lord comes, Things appear. 
Things become different. Things happen. Cuando aparece la palabra del Señor, las cosas acontecen y cambian. In fact, that word come or came here is the same word that's used all the way back at the beginning in Genesis 1:3 when God says at the creation of the world, let there be light. Es el mismo verbo cuando Dios dice en Génesis, que haya luz. God says, let there appear light. Let there become light. Let light happen. Que aparezca, que acontezca la luz. And what does the Bible tells us? tell us it says it did it happened it appeared esto apareció and so when we look at the book of Joel we need to understand that this is about the word of the Lord that appeared and became and happened to and through this individual Joel but it was a word that was for the people the people of Judah, but by extension, knowing what the word of God is, it is a word that is for us, here and now. Es una palabra que ha acontecido a Joel para el pueblo de Judá, pero para nosotros también. And as we look at this word from the Lord in the prophet Joel, we need to expect we're going to find two things. We're going to find words of comfort, and we're going to find words of challenge. Vamos a encontrar palabras de consuelo y de reto. We're going to find words of challenge. Because the prophet Joel here is challenging the people. He's challenging them to get on a road they don't like to go on. He's challenging them to get on the road of confessing their sins. On the road of repentance. On the road of humbling themselves. On the road of obeying him. On the road of faithfulness. That's not a road they've been traveling much. Dios le reta a seguir el camino de obediencia y confesión y, y, y arrepentimiento y fidelidad. Joel's going to bring that challenge. Actually, God through Joel. But there are also going to be words of comfort. In the midst of the stress and the challenge, God is inviting through Joel the people to get on a different kind of road. A, a road of, of forgiveness, a road of, of healing, a road of reconciliation, a road of restoration, a road of hope. Joel también va a invitarnos a un camino de restauración y perdón y esperanza. Both of those are going to show up, and they often do in the prophets. It's a happening word. It's a word that God wants to happen in our lives. Es una palabra activa de Dios. And I believe that if we choose to pay attention to this word, uh, we are going to pay attention to the challenge and the comfort of Joel. Si prestamos atención al, al consuelo y el reto de Joel, I believe that that can point us to the challenge and the comfort that we find in the word, the word, Jesus Christ. Eso nos señala al reto y consuelo de Jesucristo. Because you see, Jesus is God's complete word. He is God's perfect word. Jesús es el verbo perfecto de Dios. Turn with me in the New Testament to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Hebreos 1, 1. This is what it says. Hebrews 1, 1. Hebreos 1, 1. In the past... God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. 
at many times and in various ways, including Joel. Dios muchas veces de muchas maneras habló a nuestros antepasados en otras épocas por medio de los profetas. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. En esos días finales nos ha hablado por medio de su hijo. A este lo designó heredero de todo y por medio de él hizo todo el universo. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. El Hijo es el resplandor de la gloria de Dios, la fiel imagen de lo que es, y Él sostiene todas las cosas con su palabra poderosa. God spoke through the prophets his word, but now he's speaking through his son. Dios habló por medio de los profetas, pero ahora habla por medio de su Hijo. Another scripture to look at is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. It's just after Hebrews, a few books. Segunda de Pedro 1, 19. This is what Peter says. We have the word of the prophets made even more reliable, something even more sure. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Eso ha venido a confirmarnos la palabra de los profetas a la cual ustedes hacen bien en prestar atención como, una, como a una lámpara que brilla en un lugar oscuro hasta que despunte el día y salga el lucero de la mañana en sus corazones. This is saying we have an advantage. We have the word of the prophets. Yes, we do. Tenemos la palabra de los profetas. But we have the word of the prophets that has come into our lives in an even more sure, even more real and powerful way. Through a, a light that is dawned, through a morning star that God wants to raise up in our hearts. Tenemos ahora la palabra de los profetas aún más segura en una estrella que Dios quiere que brille en nuestro corazón. What is that morning star that God wants to rise in us? What is that word from the prophet that is even more sure than the word of the prophets? It's Jesus. Jesus is the morning star. He's the one the prophets are pointing to. Jesús es el lucero de la mañana al que señalan los profetas. John 1.14 it's right there Juan 1.14 the word became you see what it says there the word became the word appeared the word happened how? in the flesh the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us el verbo se hizo hombre y habitó entre nosotros. The word came and set up his temple, his tabernacle among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father. Y hemos contemplado la gloria del Hijo unigénito del Padre. So, God's word that came with challenge and comfort through Joel has finally, ultimately appeared and happened to us in the person of Jesus Christ. La palabra que vino a Joel ha acontecido a nosotros en la persona de Jesús. So why study the prophet Joel? Why study the book of Joel? ¿Por qué estudiar Joel? Because all scripture is inspired by God. 
and Joel is scripture. Toda escritura es inspirada de Dios y Joel es la escritura. In Joel, we have an inspired word from God. Es una palabra inspirada de Dios. And we would do well to pay attention to it, as Peter says. I don't remember who, but there's a Bible scholar that has said that it should be possible to get to Jesus from anywhere in the Bible. Debería ser posible llegar a Jesús desde cualquier parte de la Biblia. It should be possible to get to Jesus from Leviticus or Numbers or Obadiah or any part of the Bible you say, well, that's not a familiar thing to me. All roads in the Bible lead to Jesus. Todos los caminos llevan a Jesús. And who is Jesus? Jesus is our ultimate home. Jesus is where we live. Jesús es nuestro hogar. And Jesus is also our ultimate challenge. Our ultimate adventure. You want adventure? Take the road to Jesus. Él es nuestra aventura. Nuestro reto en la vida. All roads should lead to Jesus in the Bible. If that's true, and I believe it is, then, then we should be able to get to Jesus through the book of Joel. Debemos llegar a Jesús por medio de Joel. And that's my hope in these next few weeks. And, and so I want to ask you today, this week, if you would, to take up the challenge to do just a couple of things this week. I don't think it's too much, but I want to give you a challenge to simply spend a few minutes to read the entire book of Joel. It's uh, three little chapters. It's about two or three pages, four pages maybe, depending on the size of your Bible. Quiero que lean el libro de Joel. Todos los capítulos esta semana. This week, just take a few minutes. You should be able to get through in about 15 minutes or less. If you're not a reader, you can listen to Joel on an audio Bible. I tried it, 12 and a half minutes, okay? Puedes escuchar a Joel en forma audio también, 12 minutos. But listen through and start getting familiar with this book. And then as you do, as I said, there's this little card that I want you to have through the next few weeks. It's the same card for every week. There are some readings for each week. Hay una lectura en esta tarjeta para cada semana. So next week, please read all of Joel. But as you read, I want to encourage you to keep these four questions in mind. Espero que tengan estas cuatro preguntas en mente. What key words or word pictures does the prophet use? ¿Qué palabras clave o imágenes usa el profeta? What is the challenge or the comfort that's being offered in this section? ¿Qué desafío o consuelo se ofrece? The third question, how does the prophet's message point me to Jesus? ¿Cómo es que este mensaje me señala a Jesús? And then the final question to consider, how do I need to change as a result of reading this? ¿Cómo debo cambiar como resultado de este mensaje? That's the encouragement. We're going to get on a journey And my hope is that by traveling through Joel, this unfamiliar road, God will bring a happening word into your life and into my life. Espero que Dios nos traiga una palabra activa por medio de Joel. Let's take a moment and pray, shall we? Vamos a orar.
God, I, I don't think any of us imagined that in this year, 2022, we would go down this road in the Bible. But I'm glad we're going down it. And I simply pray that you will light our way and teach us and speak to us. Ayúdanos, Señor, por medio de este libro. Háblanos, enséñanos. And may we take to heart the word that you bring us. Let it have its full effect in our lives. Que esta palabra que tú nos traigas tenga su pleno efecto en nuestra vida. And may that result in a change, a transformation in our relationship with you and with our world. Que eso nos transforme, Señor. We ask this in Jesus' name. En el nombre del Señor Jesús. Amen.